Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope, with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph concludes his message entitled, Who is Our Enemy? We're still in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Well, let's go a little bit further here. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. Let's talk first about God's armor. The Apostle Paul in the next few verses is going to give us an illustration. And he's going to say, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your loins girt about with truth. Take the shield of faith, all of this. And if you lived in the first century, you'd immediately have in your mind a picture of a Roman soldier. And it would be very real to you. But we don't live in the first century. We live in a day of modern tactical warfare. As you see this picture in your mind of this Roman soldier, it's so easy to sort of just dismiss it as a goofy metaphor. And so as we get into teaching about it in the next few weeks, not today, I, I want to kind of move away from the metaphor, away from even the, the, the terminology of armor, and just get into the terminology of faith, of truth, of righteousness, and how these are the weapons that we have to deal with the devil. But as we look at what he's saying here, he says that we put on the armor so that we can stand firm. And the point is to be able to stand firm. Now, the word stand firm is kind of a standalone word in Greek. And over in Matthew, Jesus uses the same word, but then he, it's a modified version of the word. And he describes it as you rule over something. And it's the parable of the talents. It's the place in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, where Jesus is talking about a man who went on a journey and he had servants and he gave his servants, each one, a different sum of money to invest for him. And the one got a lot of money, the next got not so much money, the next got less. The first two guys went out and they invested and they did well. And they doubled what he had given them. The third guy didn't invest at all. He took what was given to him and he buried it in the ground. Now, Jesus is talking about our spiritual gifts and our talents and our abilities. Are we going to do something with them for God or not? That's what the point of the story is. You know, this shape class that Rob's going to teach next week or some people are going to teach for Rob, this, this is a place to start to get at. What can I do for the Lord? How am I wired that I can serve the Lord and get out of burying your talent in the ground? And take it out and go do something with it. The two guys take the sum of money. They do well with it. And the Lord comes to them, the master, and, and, and gives them more money. And says, because you were faithful at what you did, now you're going to be made ruler over more. Now the word ruler there is kind of a cousin to the word stand firm that's here. Or that you'll be able to stand. The idea of standing firm of taking a piece of ground or a piece of turf or something that's been entrusted to me and protecting it is not a word that's passive. It's a word that's active. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. See, that's not passive Christianity. That's active Christianity. Look at the picture on the screens up here. You'll recognize the gentleman with the blue paint on his face. This is Braveheart. 
This is a picture of somebody standing firm. They're actively, aggressively defending and protecting what is theirs to defend and protect. It's not like you're standing at attention. You're not a bowling pin waiting for a ball to knock you over. You're engaging the enemy and you're standing firm expecting victory in your life and in your circumstances. Does that make sense to you? And so Paul's telling us to be ready, to be prepared, to be willing to stand firm and defend the thing that the Lord has given us, even to increase the thing that the Lord has given us. And I think that you would understand this if you think in terms of your finances. If you have a business, then here's something God's entrusted to you, this business. And, and you understand that there are times that that business comes under attack from the enemy. God would like to prosper you. He would like to bless other people through you. I mean, just think of the whole concept of tithes and offerings. How does God fund the kingdom as it moves forward? Through us, through our gifts. Doesn't it make sense that God would want to prosper your business and bless you? Doesn't it make sense that if you're up for a promotion at work, God would like to promote you? But then something comes along that threatens that, that menaces that. And, and we're told here, learn to stand your ground spiritually. What about your family? You know, I can remember when my children were born, all of a sudden my whole life changed. And I, I realized that there's, there's an area of protection that I need to provide now for these people as they come into this world. Lori Higa, who's the, the pastor that directs our children's church, this morning brought with her, her her baby daughter that she just went flew to China and adopted and brought back. And here's this little girl, and I, I'm not even sure how old she is. She looks like a year, a little bit older than a year. She's a pretty good-sized girl. And she's lived her entire life indoors, cast off by her parents, because in China they don't value baby girls. They want sons. She's lived her entire life in a crib. She can't crawl or walk. I give her three, four weeks watching her brother running around. That little girl's going to be moving. But as I, as I, I saw her this morning, she's, 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 she's wary. The whole world's different to her than she's ever experienced. Just being outdoors is different. And I saw Lori there just carefully nurturing her and being with her, and, and, but this protective love of a mother. But see, there comes a time that, that that gets threatened, that Satan comes and wants to, to, to hurt and destroy the child. Or as the, as the child turns into an adolescent, and, and you as a parent realize, I've got to protect here, I've got to look after that which God has put in my care. You know, I think, think there are times when our little kids have spiritual experiences that freak them out in the middle of the night, and it's so easy just to brush that thing off. It would be much better to pray it away with them. There's that time when your children come into adolescence and, and you understand they are so vulnerable to these negative thoughts that they don't count for anything, that people don't like them, that they have to, 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 to respond to peer pressure to somehow be accepted. And, and man, Satan uses everything he can to take them away from, from where you are and where God is. Again, it comes to a place where we learn to protect by prayer. By growing strong in the Lord and, and, and by learning to stand up against Satan and what he has to do. So standing firm becomes an active, aggressive thing that you do. Now, how do you do this? I, I want to do how-tos more later on, but, you know, the Bible says things like, 
submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, as I yield to the Lord, I want to be in the dead center of your will. I want to do whatever you want me to be doing. Well, now I'm in a position where as, as, I, as I do that, I wrap myself in the armor of God, and I resist Satan, and he has to move away. Scripture says in another place, beware that your enemy is, is like a roaring lion prowling around looking for somebody to devour. He wants to destroy you. And then it says that you should humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you at the proper time. Learn to cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you. And as I, as again, I, I learn to come into that place of surrender to the Lord, I'm in a place of protection from the wicked one. I'm in a place where now I can begin to exert faith and, and the pressure that's called prayer and change the universe around me by praying things into existence that didn't exist before. And all of a sudden, standing firm becomes something that looks a lot like that picture that we've put on the screen. You're, you're going off to war. You're covering what's yours and what God has put in your hands, and you're going to see victory. Does this make sense to you? You know, how many of us have been in a situation where you know, somebody that we cared for was, was taken ill or some terrible thing happened and suddenly we, we went out and we gathered around us all the people that we knew who prayed and got them praying on the thing at the same time. And something happened. Spiritual warfare. Look at the last part of this and, and we'll be done. It says that we need to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. I'd like for you to keep your finger in your Bible in Ephesians and open up to John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. Jesus is talking and he shows the comparison between himself and the evil one. He calls Satan a thief. In fact, if you go all the way back up to verse 1, he says, I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. He's talking about Satan, calls him a thief and a robber. Verse 10, he says, The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. The word destroy, think of vandalism, just wanton destruction. Think of what's going on in Iraq today. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. I'm here to tell you that Satan has a plan for your life. And that plan includes the word suicide. If he could get you down far enough, you'd destroy yourself. He would have accomplished everything he would like to accomplish for you. Jesus goes on and says, My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. Two kingdoms in conflict. One bent upon your destruction. The other bent upon your life. Not just living life, but a life that's full and it's free. Satan comes along as a liar, a thief, a robber. And he does these things, it says, in, in, back in Ephesians, it says that he pulls on us his strategies and tricks. What are strategies and tricks of the devil? Well, I think sometimes we, we, we meet the devil in dreams. I think children wake up in the middle of the night terrified that something is in their room that wants to hurt them. I think it's more than a dream. I think it's a spiritual reality. I think there are times that you and I will have dreams that you wake up and, and the dream terrifies you. And it ruins your day. And you, you set, it sets you on a course where you expect nothing good to happen because this horrid thing has happened in the middle of the night to you. 
Or you woke up in a dream that somehow there was some sensual temptation, some sexual thing going on in your mind as you were dreaming. And, and, and I, I've talked to people who go, well, that was God. No, 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 no. That was the other side. Or there are huge insecurities in your life that drive you and control you. And you have to have more, have more, have more, get more, get more, get more. Because there's something that's lacking inside of you. And Satan has taken that and gotten a handle on you. And, and, he's, and he's strategizing ways to ruin not only your life, but the lives of people around you by this intense greed that takes over you. Or sexual perversion that takes over you. Pornography. Whatever. I think that there's this, this whole business of the paranormal. You know what? Go buy a Ouija board and start asking it questions. I guarantee you the thing will work. But you've just engaged the dark side. And you come in a position where you're going to be lied to and brought on a course of destruction. Scripture absolutely forbids us to be involved with sorcery, with soothsayers, with astrologers, with any of that. It's a pathway that leads to death. It's a trick of the enemy. The whole business of anxiety and depression is usually reflective of we've lost some ground spiritually somewhere. And I can say this from personal experience. That you came to a place where you let fear have a hole in your life. And the only way to truly repair the damage is to get closer to the Lord. And not in some guilt thing. I think the devil uses guilt. You know, the Bible actually says that Satan will quote scripture against you. He did against Jesus. In tempting Jesus. But Jesus quoted scripture back against him. And we need to come to a place where we're knowing what it means to be alive in the Lord. And alive in his mighty power. Alive in the health and the joy that the Lord has to give. One of the powers that I think we have against Satan when it comes to messing with our minds is worship. You know, I went through this whole anxiety deal two, two and a half years ago, whenever it was. And one of the things that, that stood me in good stead was just, I, I, I found a couple of CDs of worship music. And I just listened to them when I was in the car. And it, I began to just fill my mind with the thoughts of God, positive thoughts of God and His strength and His victory in my life. And, and suddenly I began to realize where I had begun to believe lies. Where I had surrendered, I'm not trusting the Lord anymore. I'd really come to a place where I thought I could make it on my own. Looking back, I mean, I wouldn't have told you that. I was a pastor. I loved the Lord. But I was trying to stand in my own strength, which is a lie from the devil. And when I began to realize that I need to rely on the Lord, I, I, I began to find joy again. I began to find confidence. And, and the confidence in the Lord just changed my whole life. Do everything that you can to stand. He says a final word. You be strong in the Lord. You be strong in his mighty power. Having done everything to stand, stand therefore, is the way the King James Version says. Stand firm against the strategies, against the tricks, against the wiles of the devil. Does this make sense? Now see, it puts it all in a different light. I was in Europe on this trip, and my wife got extremely sick. 
We'd gone there on a Thursday. I spoke on the weekend. I did a leadership thing with some people on the weekend. I went to the main conference, which had people from all over Europe. I spoke there a couple times that day. Uh, my wife spoke that day, and then she got sick. And she has pretty weak lungs. She's got asthma. And she got a cold. I have the same cold. I'm sucking on a cough drop right now that tastes like a piece of asphalt. Um, but it works. And suddenly, the thing was in her lungs. We carry this machine with us, this nebulizer she can breathe out with. Wouldn't work with the, the power converters that we bought to the 240 current over there. Finally, somebody loaned us a, a transformer that weighed about 30 pounds. We used that. It would barely work. We ended up buying a machine while we were in Europe. That worked pretty well. But by this time, it had taken hold, and, and we were supposed to go to France the following week. And I was supposed to do a pastor seminar in France on Saturday, speak in a church on Sunday. A church in France is just getting off the ground. They got five congregations throughout the whole country, and we were, we were not able to go because she was sick. Immediately the question comes, why did God do this? And you know something? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong paradigm. It, it, it ignores everything that we read in the scripture this morning. Why did God do this? Well, you think that God was sitting up there in heaven going, oh my gosh, it looks like they're having really good ministry down there in Holland. I'm going to keep them from going to France. You think that God woke up on Christmas and, and said, man, everybody's having a great Christmas time and they're about to have the elections in Iraq. I'm going to throw them a curve. I'm going to go out and kill 150,000 people with a tsunami. But we call that an act of God. These scriptures would say, no, that's an act of Satan. God is trying to put your life together. Satan's trying to destroy your life. In asking the question, why would God do such a thing? We find ourselves really, if you think about it, accusing God. What's wrong with him? And when you understand what the scripture's saying through and through, no, there's this, there's, this, there's this conflict going on over the lives of humans. And Satan's alive and well on planet Earth. Then you begin to realize, oh, that's where it's coming from. But then comes this. The scripture in Romans 8 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. If you're willing to walk in the calling and the purpose of God, God's willing to take even the dirt that Satan throws at you and turn it around and make something good come out of it. And you know something? The most important time that I spent in Holland was the weekend after I did the conference, the weekend I was supposed to be in France. And God did things in those two days. I spoke in the church. I was with a leaders meeting. It was wonderful. But I spent time with this one leader. And I would say that the most significant ministry that took place in my whole trip to Europe was during the time of disappointment when we had missed out on our opportunity to go down and, and, and share with my brother in France. I talked to the pastor in France. This guy is a brilliant man. He, he was a drug addict in Spain who found the Lord in a Christian treatment center fell in love with a girl who worked there and decided to marry her. She's from France. 
He felt a calling to become a pastor in France. You know what he did? He went back to the United States, went back to the university, won a Fulbright scholarship to France so that he could become a missionary in that country. It would give him cover and finance to be a missionary in that country. He's got a PhD in environmental science. He pastors. He's, he does missions work in Africa. And he still travels the world presenting scientific papers on behalf of whatever institute he's hooked up with. Brilliant man. I let him down. I didn't show up to do his pastor's conference on how to plant churches, how to use mini church as a tool to planting churches. You know what happened? He went ahead and held the seminar. He stepped into the gap. He taught the material. And I think he stepped up a notch in terms of his own usefulness in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you? God took the ugly thing and turned it into a good thing. And you and I can count on him to do that if we're willing to walk in his grace, walk in his power, and walk in his will. Is this good? Well, let's pray together. I want you to do something. If you, everybody just kind of have your eyes closed for a moment. If there are struggles in your life that are going on that, that, that are beyond you, and you would go, this, this has to be what the pastor was talking about this morning. This has to be an attack from the other side. Then I want you just to raise your hand right now because we're going to pray about these things. Put your hand up and hold it up. If there's a need in your life and, and you think it's, it's somebody coming at you from the other side, put your hand up. Okay, now I want to ask you to just keep your hands up. And I want people around, open your eyes, and if there's somebody with their hand up, put your hand on their shoulder. And keep your hand up until somebody's touching you. As soon as somebody's got their hand on your shoulder, then you can put your hand down. And you can, it's fair to get up and move across the aisle or something. If somebody's, if somebody's reaching out to you, then put your hand down. But if they're not, keep your hand up till somebody comes to you. Okay, there's still some people. Nobody's, nobody's reaching out to them. So make some moves, folks. Let's, let's get close to people. So we're praying for each other. Okay, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you today, and just by simply raising our hand, we're admitting our weakness. We're admitting that we're in a place where there's something that's coming against us is stronger than we are. And Lord, as we admit our weakness, we're coming to you in the belief that you can do something about it. So, Lord, we humble ourselves under your hand. Lord, we submit to you. And in submitting to you, we turn and resist the devil. And Satan, we say to you, you have no part in our life. You have no right to us because we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. God is the Lord of my life and of everything that I possess. And I reject you, and I reject your efforts to confound my life. I forbid you this territory. Stand aside. Lord, bring victory into my life. Bring healing. Bring wholeness. Bring supply. Bring prosperity. Bring what I need. Bring all that I need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now keep your eyes closed. We're going to pray again. Just a short one. And it's just a prayer that says, God, I need you in my life. And if you need to pray this prayer, you know you do. Just pray it along with me. And uh, everybody else can just sit here while we're praying. Lord, I come to you today knowing that I am not a Christian. I know about you. 
but I have never come to a place where I surrender to you. And this morning I open my heart up. I want whatever it is that you have for me. I surrender my, my, my life, my future, my love, my allegiance to you. I understand that you sent your son into this world to cancel our guilt, all of our guilt, by dying on the cross. And I can be free from that and walk in peace with you. And Lord, I, I engage that peace today. I want to be on your side and you to be on my side. I surrender to you. Lord, teach me about yourself. I want to walk in you. I want to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 